What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce. What's going on? It's your boy Drizzy Drake, and you are now rocking with my homie. The Crystal Show. You are right where you want to be. Get your browser on and skip it. I eat Firefox, Chrome, Safari. Get on it. Get on the Crystal Show right now. I am Crystal Hickerson, and I would like to welcome you all to the Crystal Show. There's too many free meals out here, folks. Hey, look, let me pick something. I want the cheddar biscuits. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's going to be cool, it's going to be nice, we're going to talk, we're going to get real down and dirty. Hi guys, my name's Becky, you're on the Crystal shirt. Yeah, I didn't call feet on make fun of me. I, 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 I was not, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you and a little bit at you. People say, well, don't talk about religion and politics. I say right. yes, talk about it, talk about it, because what do you want to go to, a boring cocktail party? <laughs> I don't like her. I mean, how, how old are we, what grade are we in? One man, American crime wave. Because the feds knew. Y'all might have to come back and that's going to be a whole different show all together. That's what I'm talking about. I, 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 Make some noise. 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 All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? It is Thursday night, and you are right where you ought to be. You are on the Crystal Show, December 4th, 2014, and damn, the world is blowing up, and we're going to get into that soon. But anyway, I want everybody to know that I am grateful that you are here tonight, that you are listening live, that you are tuning in, whether you are listening to the podcast. Hello, my podcasters, my lovely, lovely podcasters. If you're listening live and you'd like to call in to speak your opinion tonight, please do. Um, 657-383-0554. Or you can just call in and simply just listen to the show that way. You can listen to us on iTunes. And you can go to thecrystalshow.com and listen there as well. Listen to the podcast if you missed anything. You can download the iTunes podcast and you can listen to, to us anytime, anywhere you want to. So it's a beautiful thing. First of all, to connect to us, You need to like us on Facebook at The Crystal Show 1 and follow us on Twitter at Crystal Show 1. Hashtag Get Crystallized. Okay. So what's up, Dre? You know, folks, (laughs) I'm here. Uh I'm really here. And hi, ladies. How are you? Um, But, you know, I'm here right now, but... My mind is so twisted right now, but we're gonna to get to that later. But I'm here, you're here, so let's just let's just do it. Okay, let's first of all, let's talk about something. Before we get into tonight and um, the get crystallized um, segment of the show, <laughs> which will be a nice little special segment of one topic. Um, before we get into that, um, how was your Thanksgiving? You know. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Did you have something to be thankful for? (laughs) I am thankful that my ass is still alive. All right, I'm just saying that. But, no, seriously, I I had had a great Thanksgiving. I spent it with my family, which was really awesome. Um, It was great to to be in their presence and just my, you know, my nieces came home from college. They brought some friends. Mm -hmm. It was really, it was actually really 
chill. I mean, I expected, well, I mean, I guess I really didn't expect a lot of crap, which we don't do that on the holidays, but it was okay. just so You're not that relaxing to be. <laughs> It was just so relaxing to be with the family and just chill and laugh and eat Aww. and be. It was it was almost surreal. It really was. I mean, but I was totally happy when I you know when I got home. I went back into my introverted state, of course. But for that <laughs> few hours that I was with my family, yeah, I could not have had a better time. It was awesome. Well, that's great. Oh wow. Well, you know, you hung out with your sister. She cooked and everything. I did. My sister um, my sister lives here in Tampa, well, one of them. And, you know, her husband and her kids and stuff, they were all there, of course. My mm-hmm. older sister, who is a flight attendant, you know, she came in, so she's hanging out. My other sister, who's in Jacksonville, she drove down, picked me up. We going over to my sister's house. Okay. Um, my sister, Kathy, lives in Jacksonville, but she's awesome spinach balls. Okay. Okay, Literally, I mean, it doesn't I, I, sound I mean, good, it, but all right. It, trust me, it, it's re- they're really, really, really good. They're like manna from heaven. So, oh, okay. But, yeah, she makes them, I don't know what she does. I don't know how, I don't know how <laughs> she makes them, but she makes them every freaking year. And 364 days from that day, I look forward uh-huh. to the next time I see them again. So you they're look awesome. forward to your spinach balls. Hey, Mom. That's right. Pass the balls. <laughs> Pass the balls, made a spinach. All right, all right. Well, um, my Thanksgiving was good. The kids um, decided to grace me with their presents. Um, my daughter came home from college, and um, she brought everybody with her. <laughs> all of her friends, yeah. they, well, they all live here in the metro area. So um, so they came home, and um, we had a nice time. And I, you know, really enjoyed it. I made macaroni and cheese, and for the first time, baked macaroni and cheese. I make everything else. I make the turkey. I make everything. And um, sweet potato pie, all that, you know. But I have not perfected my macaroni and cheese until this year. Well, it's not perfect yet, but it was actually edible this year. And (laughs) it wasn't edible before. I mean, I'm like, oh my god, I don't know what the hell. I just edible. Yeah. Now, is it? It was an inedible the previous umpteen years that you were making it, or is it just more edible now than before? No, no, yeah, no, it wasn't edible before. (laughs) I mean, I would make it, and then it would just kind of sit there, and you know. People would put it on their plate, and you know that would be it. There were just those little okay. scoops out of it, and no one would go back for seconds or anything like that. But this year, okay. it was Look. it was it was edible. It was good. I loved it, and um, they loved it. And people came back for seconds, and her friends came over, and wow. they they actually got plates and stuff. I'm like, didn't y'all just eat at your mama house? But anyway, they came over and they <laughs> ate as well, you know, and um. <laughs> So it was good, and everybody, you know, they commented on how good the macaroni and cheese is. Now I have not perfected it to the to the way I want it to be. I, there's a taste that I have in my head and my memory that I'm get trying to get to. But anyway, so that okay, was my so thing. Let me, pa- let me pause parenthetically here, gentlemen, brothers, <laughs> grown grown men. Okay, look, do not let this one dish 
<laughs> you know, steer you away from the love of that is Crystal Higgerson, okay? Oh, uh, yeah. Those macaroni and cheese, fellas. <laughs> There's so she many other things down. <laughs> so many she other reasons. Pie, she gets the turkey. She gets the greens, everything, and she's cute. So, folks, you know, just brothers, <laughs> please, don't let that one dish stir you away, man. Come on, just come with it. Just come on. Shoot your shot, man. Come on. Anyway. She love. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure every one of my exes who are listening, and I know the motherfuckers listen, uh, every one of them are like, y'all don't know that bitch. <laughs> I'm like, I know. She may be cute, but uh, okay. Macaroni withstanding. <laughs> okay. but anyway. Macaroni withstanding. <laughs> but anyway, all right. We are going to get to it tonight. Um, we have a great show. Uh, we have Lynn Roundtree. Now, if you guys don't know who that is, he is a trumpeteer, a soul jazz trumpeteer from yes. Detroit. We're becoming the Detroit show. I mean, I know I'm from Detroit, but we got a lot of artists who, is, who have been from Detroit well, who are, you know, kicking it. And I have to make a whole. It's a, it's a re-untapped market. No, huh? it's ten- huh? Look, hey, look, <laughs> Motown did their thing, but evidently it's a re-untapped market because you got these guys coming out of nowhere, that, and you, all these musicians and artists are coming right out of your city. So they're thinking, evidently something needs to be tapped. To be I'm coming out. out. That's what's happening. They're like, what the hell? But um, but no, 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 we no. Let me tell you something. We had to uh, class it up a little bit tonight. Get, okay. get some jazz right, going. Class it up. You know, Grown you know. People. You know, I love my hip-hop and everything, you know, and um, I have my hip-hoppers on all the time, and, you know, I've actually had some, some more inspirational stuff and people on, but tonight we're going to class it up really nice for you, and um, we're going to have Lynn Roundtree, like I said, he's from Detroit, and um, now he has been playing what has been described as soulful, funky, and sensual. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Oh, 
reason why you like the Trump is because you were uh, you were down with the uh, with the attempt at trying to play it. You know how difficult it is, and so you feel sorry for me. <laughs> well, you know what you know what happened, Lynn. I picked the trumpet because it had three valves, and I was like, oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can do that. Um, what I realized though, it's hard to play, <laughs> which is why most. I guess most women don't usually play the trumpet. <laughs> you know, it's it's a well, hard instrument. Yeah, it's a very difficult instrument. People really don't understand that. I mean, all jokes aside, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot more physical. Uh, there's a lot more physical uh, things that go into having to play the trumpet, particularly with your embouchure. Uh, so that's why I say the, the saxophone's a cop out. People that, that couldn't play the trumpet went on and played the saxophone. That's why they come. <laughs> A dime a dozen. You got them on every corner. You do, don't you? <laughs> you know they're playing in their what is it? They they go into their apartment and they play it, and everybody can hear it. It's like okay, <laughs> someone's no, playing I their saxophone. My, my saxophone buddies, I, I you know I mess with them all the time, and uh, you know certainly I, I I always have the the old uh, the old joke that uh, they had a sale on saxophones about twenty years ago. Everyone got one for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn around, particularly in this genre. I mean, it's uh, it's a saxophone dominated genre, but right. the trumpets, uh, how trumpets and flugelhorns go, the three most requested songs in smooth jazz or contemporary jazz history happen to mm-hmm. be songs that were made famous by trumpet players. One being "Feel So Good," Mr. Chuck Mangione, mm-hmm. I and uh, uh, the the remake of "Human Nature" by Miles Davis. Okay, right, okay. right, Mouse. You know what, um, so why did you choose the trumpet? Well, I chose the trumpet uh, off the bat because my father played uh, the cornet okay. in high school, and then my uh, his his mother actually played the cornet, and, and there was a cornet sitting around that. They had that same cornet. My dad had since stopped playing, and he gravitated to the guitar, and he used to play guitar mm-hmm. every morning. Uh, before he went to work and I went to school to watch him. But I used to always be interested Aww. with that net that was on the mantelpiece that I was told never to touch, you know, and she was told <laughs> never to touch. <laughs> we always want to do. So it was stuck in my mind. I've got to touch this coronet. And uh, 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 so, you know, when it came time to to, uh, to choose instruments in the fifth grade, uh, I, uh, I said, well, you know, I probably no other instrument I want to play than, than the trumpet because my dad said once you learn how to play it then you can touch it and, and uh, that, that started oh, okay. my, my my journey in playing the trumpet now wow. um, now when you play the trumpet now were you in the band in the marching band and all that too or or no yeah. you're not that nerdy I, oh okay <laughs> I was, hey watch it I was a cool because I was down with the peeps but I also uh played sports and I played the trumpet and I dared anybody to mess with me. So oh. uh but you know, seriously, seriously I, I I chose the trumpet to, I chose the band to get out of class for a couple couple times a week. And anybody said, you know, you can get out of class and kinda of ham it up and, and you don't have to, you know, be with anybody else. So actually it was it, it, it it's turned out to be a slacker move but uh but I ended up liking the trumpet and then uh you know I I carried it on through high school. I did play varsity football and and did all of the, the other things, but I also always uh, played that trumpet and, and had that a part of me. And then, and then when I went to college, uh, you know, it, it helped me get into college. It gave me a part, partial scholarship to Florida A&M along with the business scholarship that I got. 
so my first year was paid for because of uh, both band and, and business. So, I mean, you know, I started to realize that there might be something on the financial end with this trumpet if I, if I learn how to play it and play it well. Okay. So, yeah, I did all the more things, you know, concert band, marching band, uh, you know, pet band, whatever you want to call it, and all the way up through uh, through college until I got out and, and decided that uh, the thing might, might, might be serious, something serious to it. Well, see, this so, is cool, man, because this, mm-hmm. this is this is a cool segment because I'm a drummer, so I oh. was I was marching band marching band drum line. I played drums, you know, throughout high school and stuff like that, and played for a while. And I've been, you know, jazz to me was one of a one of the the main music groups that actually would make you really have to listen and and do grill and do well in your craft because. Anybody can play a four-note beat, okay, as far as the drummer goes. Yeah. That's a diamond dozen. But to get into different time signatures and syncopation and stuff like that and knowing your pitch and knowing the, the key the key changes and all that stuff, it takes you have to listen to jazz in order to be able to understand it. And even still, with the trumpet, you know, the trumpet players, I always think of the Ohio players because that was like the hot sauce of the whole music, the horns. Oh yeah, so, yeah. True. Right, yeah. You know, the, the whole the whole power, power, earth, wind, fire. Yeah. Well, you know, for you had um, that whole funk and oh man, it was just so many memories. Well, with jazz nowadays, um, Lynn, what do you think about how jazz has changed over the years, and what category would you put yourself in as far as jazz? There's all types, you know. There's you have your contemporary jazz, smooth jazz, mellow jazz, and then, you know, so where do you actually, where do your music lie? Well, my my music is what I like to call instrumental R&B because basically when you, okay. if, if you take, the, I mean, because I, I don't, sometimes you get pigeonholed just because you play an instrument, so everyone automatically assumes that uh, you, you play jazz if you're playing a solo or if you're in some group, they assume that you're, in some, you know, background horn section. I mean, so you mm-hmm. get pigeonholed really. Um, but the music that I make, if you listen to, you know, my, my projects uh, over the years, uh, you can easily slip a vocalist in on my projects, and, and it would be uh, termed R&B. I mean, it's just like R&B singers. You had Sarah Vaughn and, and Ella Fitzgerald, who were clearly jazz singers. Uh, right. But then you have Whitney Houston and, and, and the likes that, that are considered R&B singers, and, and no one ever goes to Whitney and say, hey, says, hey, you are, you know, didn't go to her and say, you know, are you a jazz singer? Or Beyonce, are you a jazz singer? Or, you know, uh, Jennifer Hudson, are you a jazz singer? No, they, they already know that they sing R&B. But, you know, so it's that's that's how I consider the music, what, you know, what I play in terms of uh, the music and my style. Uh, now, what's happened to jazz over the years, to your other, other question, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. an ever-evolving uh, genre of music. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's tough to try and and figure out what jazz really is. So I like to say jazz, and it's in the definition of jazz is it, it just embodies uh, improvisation, and and I think that's the essence of jazz because it, it's tough to you know like there's so many different forms of what they call jazz. I mean you have you know jazz actually started out as the dance music of of, of the day back in the in, in the 20s and 30s, and right. you know, they had these big bands and. You know, there wasn't any, there wasn't any bebop or any, 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 you know, any of that was considered straight ahead jazz. It wasn't, it, it wasn't happening. And the only reason why that that developed in, 
into that type of art form is a financial and a political reasons because a lot a lot of you know the, the big dance bands of the time uh, had club owners who you know New York politicians wanted to dip into the pockets of these club owners that were making a lot of money, so they started to tax these guys anytime they had dancing in their clubs. So to circumvent that, wow. I have to pay this New York tax. They got wise and said, you know what? How can we bring the music that's being played at these these big establishments where people are dancing? Uh, to help them and have them enjoy the music, but at the same time not have them dance. They went to the musicians and said, hey, we're going to pick four or five of you guys out of the, the bassy bands and, and the big bands and put you in a little club, but you need to make the music. You need to play something that people know, but you need, need to, to play it in a way that people won't get up and dance. So what did they do? They, they, took the they made all these weird core changes. They did weird, innovative things, but, you know, of course, uh, you know, it's it, it's all in the process of, of trying to, to do something else. It wasn't like they sat down and, hey, we're going to create this art form because that's what we're feeling. No, it was born out of out of necessity. But out of necessity came something that was great. And so, you know, I get into it with the jazz heads all the time about, oh, jazz is this. Hey, no, jazz was, 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 was hip-hop of the day. You know, it, 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 the politicians actually made it jazz what you guys are trying to say, and it's, all, it's right. been evolving I mean, Miles Davis took it on a run. Uh, all these, you know, all these contributors just, you know, changed the course of the sound of music. I mean, before Miles and Bitches Brew, most people didn't play on any amped up or or, or amplified instruments, you know, like, uh, you know, electric synthesizers and things of the sort. Uh, before Bitches Brew came out, after Bitches Brew, now you have a collection of electric bass players as opposed to upright bass players, you know, drummers and, and different sounds and different elements to the music. And so it evolved even further. And then, you know, now it's, 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 it is what it is. And I think actually it's, it's diminished some because people aren't as innovative as they used to be, but it's still not an art form of improvisation. That's basically what jazz is. Wow. Well, we got a nice little history lesson. I did not know that. I didn't realize that, that they had done that because it changed it up a little bit so people literally wouldn't dance. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, see, um, well, that's my thing. I've always thought that that without jazz, there would be no hip-hop because, to me, jazz music was the – that was the hip-hop of the day. Before there was a hip-hop, before there was a, a an R&B, there was jazz that actually spoke to you Politically, consciously, and all that stuff. Right. Before there was even a, a political movement or anything like that. So if you hip hop owes its owes its gratitude to, to jazz, in my opinion, because well, it was yeah, so think, improvisational and just so you know just in, enlightening, I guess. Popular music can owe its, particularly American music, can owe its. Uh, uh, foundation to to jazz because I mean like you said I mean you went you know no one's playing amped up music before Bitches Brew and Miles Davis I mean so you know then right. you had a bunch of guys exploring with the uh, with the amped up music and and you know then it gravitated into rock and it gravitated into a lot of different things and so I mean you know so between between that and the blues and, and blues guitars I mean some of your greatest rock guitarists emulate uh, and study our great blues guys, you know, I mean, exactly. Eric Clapton, he'll acknowledge that he learned everything he knew from some of our, uh, you know, Buddy Hollies and, and people like that, some of the guys that, 
that that were founders and and the blues blues guitar. So I mean, yeah, the foundation of jazz and blues uh, is in every part of our our modern music, including hip hop, but you know even pop music. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, you know what, uh, Lynn, I want to find out what is uh, coming up with you. Where where will you be? I see that you're going to be on a cruise next year with some little, yeah. some, more, some more artists and everything. Tell us about that. Yeah, the, the Maxwell people, uh, the people that put, put together the Maxwell Cruise uh, uh, are doing this inaugural cruise uh, with Maxwell, Lettucey, uh, a whole lot of popular wow. artists. And, uh, yeah. and they're also filling some of the uh, contemporary jazz artists, Brian Culberson and all these, all these guys. And I'm just happy enough to uh, have made it to a level where I've even been considered to be played on uh, on a ship full of so much talent, Anthony Hamilton, Joe Scott. And, uh, yeah, you know, oh, gosh. That. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I, now when is that coming up, or in, are all the tickets sold? <laughs> Oh, no, it's right. May 3rd, and still tickets are wide open. It's, it's, the, it's the inaugural cruise, uh, okay. and, uh, I mean, you can go to maxwell7cs.com or you can go to com and, you know, catch the link off of, off of that site and uh, and get your tickets. I mean, it's going to be a great, great week uh, at Seas, and probably, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a collection of, of uh, of top notch talent like this, uh, as many cruises as as there have been out there, uh, the type right. of acts that they have all together on this one is uh, is pretty daunting. And it I'm really is. Oh yeah, you're right up there with the big dogs now. <laughs> That's a crazy lineup, man. I mean, you got people yeah. who I yeah. want to marry. Joe Scott, <laughs> who's gonna be my second ex wife. And then you got oh my dude. Yeah, yeah. It, wow. It's, it's going to be tough. Even... It's going to be tough. Wow. And then you're, you're truly little old me from uh, from Detroit. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're, I'm we're, you, uh, we're making some moves. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's such a blessing. I'm I mean, this whole, that's, this whole run, company, this whole run of mine has been pretty, pretty you know, it's a, in the music business, it's up and down. Uh, right. You, know, you can't, and I was always told, you can't get too high up, you can't get too low at the lows because you're never as bad as you think you are. You're never as good as you think you are. So as long as you stay even keel and uh, stay humble uh, and keep trying to perfect your craft, trying to make good music. I mean, even some of the dark days where I thought, hey, nobody's paying attention. I'm making this music and, you know, I'm going broke and and my wife is looking at me (laughs) side-eyed like, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) you should be doing this and and so I mean it's uh it 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 can get discouraging but you know the, the, what I was told was that you know hey people like your music and uh and that's what you need to do you need to focus on making and creating good music and and once you do that uh everything else will follow and so that's what's 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 transpired over my last four projects uh now working on my fifth probably my funkiest most soulful project today was was what I'm finishing up right now it's released in uh, 2015 but I've been blessed. Uh, this this whole year, I've had ten top thirty uh, singles on the Billboard Contemporary Jazz charts, uh, mm-hmm. and I've, I've gone all over the world, traveled all over the world, and uh, I'm just getting started. So that's that's what the, the beauty of this thing is about. Oh, that is okay, so amazing. We got to definitely we got to we got to find out. Tell tell our listeners, man, worldwide here, where can we find you? Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Because we got to know, man. Because we got to follow you. Dude. Oh yeah, man. I'm plugged. I'm plugged in deep on social media. I, mean, I got 
at Lynn Roundtree Twitter. I got Instagram. I don't really know my Instagram name. I'm just getting into that. But I got Facebook. <laughs> no. uh, I got Facebook page, Lynn Roundtree. Make sure it's L-I-N, Roundtree with no D-R-O-U-N-T-R-E-E. And uh, if you can't remember any of that, just go to LynnRoundtreeMusic.com. And from there, you can go anywhere, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Nice. got a YouTube channel. Uh, you know, you have to take advantage nowadays of uh, social mar- social media. Oh, definitely. You know, there's a lot of questionable things that go on in social media, but, you know, it is, it is if you cannot run from it. You have to, you have to embrace it uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the equalizer now. It's a way to get to your fans directly, whereas – uh, a few years back, you know, the only way to get to your fans was through industry uh, executives, and they had to decide yeah. whether or not, uh, you know, you were worthy of, of being introduced to uh, the, the mass masses, and, and you had to, you were at their at their mercy. Now, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you can get mm-hmm. your music straight to the people and allow allow them to make, you know, make their own judgment about about Lynn Roundtree. So I mean, it, you know, so it's all out there, and it, and, it, and to some musicians, hey, look, it may be, it may expose some musicians, may expose some people as, as uh, <laughs> because it's the, it's it's the ultimate reality show. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not doing, <laughs> right, that's right. You, 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 you go on and you get exposed, <laughs> but, but for those for the for the talent people, for the people who who really just need a shot, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. That's true. That's true. I know I've been hit a lot of times on on. Um, on some of my social media, they like to come at me, but that's okay. I can take it. <laughs> but that's one. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I want to make sure people understand, you also, you're on Pandora. So if you're listening. Really? You know, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I've got okay. Pandora I can see right now. I got I to plug that in when I go to work tomorrow. Yeah. I've got a Pandora speaking for, uh, for quite some time. I didn't even know, actually, uh, until a few years <laughs> back somebody was Saying, hey man, you 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 got, you're on Pandora. I was like, oh yeah, my songs come on there all the time. You know, once you submit your songs and and they're in mm-hmm. you know rotation nationally, they, they they get picked up somewhere. They said, no man, you got your own channel. I was like, what? <laughs> so I, yeah. and, That's how good yeah, you are. I mean, <laughs> yeah, people. Well, I mean, people people take you know people take me to their cookouts and you know I'm I'm you know, exactly. turn on around tree. So you know it's uh, it's it's and it never gets old to hear your stuff on the radios. Like I'll drive around or walk to the airport or you know or, you know turn on XM radio or something, and, and one of my songs will be playing. And you know I know exactly how that song was put together. I played it. It's me. But and you, and I've heard it over and over on the on the radio. I've had a lot of songs on the radio, but it, it's like it's still you get that five heartbeats moment where you, you jump out of bed. <laughs> I mean, you look for every morsel of positive 
uh, energy that you can find, and, and that is a, is a mega dose of positive energy to know that, you know, somebody's millions of people, thousands of people are listening to your song right this minute, and you're the right. person and that actually made this particular song, and it's blaring over some loudspeaker. And these people standing around, you don't even know who you are. You just want to jump up and say, hey, that's me. <laughs> They were like, oh, yeah, right. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 right. I said that to somebody, and they didn't believe me. That would be me. I would be like, look, hey, I'm on the radio. I'm on the loudspeaker. Give me love now. That would be me. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm that. I mean, because I want the attention. I mean, you spent how many countless hours arranging that piece of music from your soul, and then to hear it in the middle of a big airport, and people so are bobbing the their heads to it. They're like, this is tight. Yeah, this is great. It's like, yeah, I made it. Listen to the songs. When you listen to the song and you and you see people bopping their heads or you see people enjoying it, like if you're at a restaurant and, you know, people are in, in, enjoying the song. And, I mean, and, and people, you know, from all over, they come see you at the shows. That's 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 very gratifying. I had a guy uh, bring his son. I, I did a show in Denver last year this time, uh, last January, and uh, uh, a guy brought his son all the way from uh, – uh, Southern California because he said I hadn't been out there and he wanted to, they'd been following me for years uh, and he wow. wanted to introduce his son to me and he paid to get his son out there. They got a, a hotel room and I mean, you know, that stuff's reserved wow. for the, you know, the R&B acts and the big guys and you hear about that type of stuff all day, every day, but for somebody like me and my genre of music to, to have a guy, you know, go out on a limb and do that and know you and I have no idea. I mean, or showing up to a show and somebody's you know, got a, a, a collage of, of your albums framed in a uh, in a poster. You know what I mean? With, uh, with you're saying, hey man, I've been waiting for years for you to come this way. I've got this collage here. Can you sign it? I mean, and that's that that in and of itself is 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 the gratification and justification that you need uh, to keep going and keep doing what you're doing, knowing that you're you're doing something right. Yeah, that's you cool, definitely man. are. That is really cool. Cool. You're doing something right, Lynn. We love you, and um, you got to come back um, when you have time to come back to us and just let us know what's going on, what's new out there for you. Um, but I first, I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, what we're about to get into, which is uh, your song, Gutter Funk. And um, <laughs> can you explain how that came to be? <laughs> Why did you name it that? <laughs> Oh, you know what? We it's you know some I, I've written fifty something songs and mm-hmm. you know it, song names come you know some of them come easy some of them you got to think about this one came pretty easy because my producer uh, Nate Harrison and I had gotten a song in from uh, you know some you know I had guest producers this guy named Sheree Reed a bass player great bass player R Kelly's bass player out of uh, Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sent me this song through uh, through my manager Carmen Hatch, and uh, it uh, it was it was just a great tune when I heard it, and it was funky, and we needed to funk the album up because the album was starting to get a little smooth, a little smoothy smooth for me. Um, and we we need to get um, smooth, some dirty funk, and so when, when we went to the studio, I said, hey man, you gotta listen to the song, man. See if we can put it fit it onto the album, and we played it, and and it, first note came on, and you hear that. That that P bass sound, that boop, doop, doop, yeah. doop, doop, doop. I'm like, man, that's dirty, man. That's nasty. It was like, man, that's some nasty <laughs> funk. Like we can't. I was like, man, that's 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 just gutter, man. It's just gutter. 
And, uh, <laughs> and so we kept calling it gutter funk. Let's play the gutter funk song. You know, that's what, are you working on that? And we we hadn't intended on naming that song gutter funk, but we just kept using that slang every time we referred to the song. It it got written down. And it is. And, you know, <laughs> Send each other samples of the song. He'll send it back to me. Oh, this is the gutter funk song. Song A, song B, the gutter funk song. He's like, you know what? Let's just leave it gutter funk. You know, let's just be <laughs> anti. See if it sticks. Because once people hear this, they'll, they'll understand. You know, this is just gutter funk, man. And and it's 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 not gutter meaning dirty. Well, it's dirty, but it's not gutter meaning awful. It's gutter meaning what a gutter's true meaning is. Like gutter right. on the house. Catch all, man. It catches everything. So it embodies. You know all of the funk elements that you, that you might consider uh, in a funk funk record uh, on this album. It's got everything. It's got the horns. It's got the slick moves. We even put a little jazzy line in the back. And my man Randy Scott. I, you know, as much as I talk about saxophone players on this gutter funky mm-hmm. song, I had to go get me a sax player, man, on this one. And my man <laughs> Randy Scott. You know, he he listened to it. He said, "Hey, man, can I have this for my album?" I'm like, "No, nah, dude, but you, you can play on it for mine." <laughs> and, uh, he laid it down over the over the track too, and uh, and uh, man, it came. It, it was righteous. So I mean, uh, that's 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 how the song came to be. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. We appreciate you coming on. You are amazing, and um, you have to come back. That's all. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Definitely, all there is to it. No question. Yeah, guys, and really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And you know, without without. Uh, uh, mouthpieces like yourself and listeners and, and and you know we wouldn't be anything so I mean I really really appreciate the opportunity coming back and I'll come back anytime you need me and uh, hope to see you guys out uh, at some point on out on the trails oh yeah Matter absolutely fact, hey time, maybe I'll be on the cruise bring, <laughs> bring look bring the let's horn do. next time let's do it <laughs> All right, thank- next time and just just do something for us right in the studio. That's what I'm talking about live. Blah, okay. Blah. Anyway, we're we're not gonna listen to them live. We have gutter funk that we're about to listen to right now. So thank you so much, Lynn, for coming on to the show, and we appreciate it. And we're about to get into your song, Gutter Funk. Thank you so much. God bless you. Ah, oh, bless you. Thank you.
Okay, that was that was good. I don't know what you all think, but that was good. So anyway, Lynn Roundtree, folks, you know that was awesome. So we need to give him another hand because dude, really, really, really is phenomenal musician. I love jazz personally, so you know if anybody out there in Detroit, look him up. Lynn Roundtree, LynnRoundtreeMusic.com. It's L-I-N-R-I-R-O-U-N. T-R-E-E, music.com. So check him out. Listen up what's going on. All right. So we got some music out of the way. So we got our, we got our minds right now. So check it out. Next, we are going – okay, it's really time to discuss some stuff, folks. All right? For real. It's time to get crystallized. Take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help your black ass? You goddamn right. Well, won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. It's on in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a Yeah, NWA. What you know? What you youngers know about that stuff? Anyway, that's right. NWA brought to the scene. Let us know the forefront what's going on. Check it out. We have our first caller right now. I think Buck from Florida. Buck, what's going on, boy? Going on. How's everybody doing this evening? Good, good, man. How you feeling, man? Feeling great. Yeah, man. We know that we're trying to get we're getting the state now, but the state of Black America right now. We're, we're going to talk about this for a minute. I know. I'm mad. I know a lot of people. Other people are mad. There's a lot of stuff going on. And we it's just not right. So I mean, we're here to talk about that. So let's let's see what you got to say, man. Well, I mean, the state of Black America is, it is. It, I mean, there's a lot of reason to be mad, but I think we're pointing we pointing some of that negativity in the wrong direction. I mean, well, I think we really, really wow. I, I really do. I really think that we need to start looking at ourselves first. There's a reason. Okay. There's a reason why certain people treat us certain ways. And, you know, it's because of the way that we're acting. I mean, we can't correct what's going on in the black community until we start looking at ourselves. I mean, okay. we, you know, we go we go out with our pants sagging, cursing out loud, doing those type doing those type of things. Now it's freedom of speech and all that good stuff. And there's a there's a time and place for all of that. But when we're in the mm-hmm. business setting or just, you know, just kicking it, you know, in the mall or something like that and you know, there's a way you have to carry yourself. And when you don't carry yourself the right way, we're perceived a different way. And for us to be perceived differently, we got to change what we do first. So, I mean, okay. I understand that. I, 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 will, I will agree with you with some of these points. Now, granted, yes, I agree we, as far as us being black Americans. I'm, looking, I'm just talking about the men from now. Now, as far as black men are concerned, yes, there's an image that we need to really uphold as far as, like, anything from the way we dress, the way we talk, to the way we handle business, things of that nature. I get it. Don't get me wrong. But there comes a point where no matter 
how nice we dress, no matter how articulate we are, no matter how many degrees we have, at the end of the day, somebody, if, I mean, if, if, if you're not careful, you can end up dead, period. That's I mean, true. Your, your pants are uptight, you got a Ph.D., and you speak better than Cornell West himself, but at the end of the day, you can still get choked out. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I, and I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I, I agree with most of it. I really do. Right. Because we have to look inward as far as, like, okay, let's manage ourselves. Let's police ourselves before we let the police do the policing. Okay, I get that. But after yesterday, I was kind of, at that point, I was like, look, this is enough. I mean, the, the Michael Brown thing, sad as it was, you know, it, it was like, all right, you know, we don't, we, you know, the man was shot 12 times, okay, and and all that stuff. And, and, and for a hundred, we're talking like hundreds of days that people protested silently and civ- civilly, okay? Right. And then you have this stuff yesterday. And I'm like, okay, even still with the camera, it doesn't really matter what camera you have on, what angle on you have on this person. The man died. It was on film. And how can you sit there and tell me that it's not admissible in court? You can indict this guy for you know doing something that's totally illegal because it's been outlawed as far as the police department goes in the state of New York, city of New York. So you can't tell me this was wrong, and you can't bring charges up against this guy because you think he was in the right? I mean, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get I it. That's garbage. You know, I had an interesting, I had an interesting conversation with a police officer today. And, um, really? you know, I wanted to get a little insight, a little perspective, because, you know, he's a police officer here, uh, here in Scambia County, here in Pensacola. Um, mm-hmm. I asked him, I said, hey, I got to ask you a question. And I said, I'm not trying to, you know, be kind of confrontational or anything. I said, because everybody got a job to do. I said, let me ask you, what do you feel about getting cameras, you know, putting on your body and you know, with, with the visual and audio? You know what his answer was? His answer was really simple, and it was, it was probably one that it, it was kind of an answer I wasn't expecting, but it kind of tripped me out. He said, you know what? There are a lot of police officers. He said, I've been, my dad was a police officer. I'm a police officer. And he said, there's a lot of police officers out there that probably shouldn't be police officers. However, if you're doing oh, wow. the right thing, he said, however, if you're doing the right thing, he said, a camera and audio, he said, that would be the best thing in the world because – as long as you respect me and I respect you, there's not going to be any problems. He said, I don't give a damn what color you are. And I was like, wow. I was blown away because, you know, I wasn't expecting that answer. But this was a, you know, this is a, you know, he was a real cop. And, he, you know, he's not just toting the bash just so he can just, you know, get back at people that got it, you know, getting it in. He said, as long as you respect me, I respect you. He said, you might be, he said, whatever the situation. He said, as long as you treat me with respect, we good. And I was like, wow. And I, just, and I, I was really blown away by that because I've talked to other police officers and didn't get that response. Okay. Cause, and, and that's crazy because, I, 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 you know, we know you post all the memes and stuff on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff and Instagram and everything like that. I get it. And I posted a meme yesterday on my Facebook page, and it was it basically was, I can't breathe. It was sort of Lady Justice. She's basically passed out, the scales dropped right next to her. She said, I can't breathe. I just, I didn't even put a caption, but I just left it up there or whatever. 
And a friend of mine uh, that I work with, he works, he's, he's a policeman, and he's a good guy, too. And, you know, and he basically, I mean, he, what, what got me, when this was probably one of the most honest answers I've heard so far, he didn't have any words to say. I mean, basically, he said, I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> Which I thought probably was the best answer he probably gave because, you know, he he didn't try to condescend me. He didn't try to placate me or he didn't try to passionize me. He just said, I don't know what to say. Which I thought was cool because there, there's nothing to say. Only thing, and the only thing I said to him was, dude, the only thing I can ask of you is that you do your job to the best of your ability without regard to anything but the law, and that's it. I don't, I don't want you to look at any – if you look at a criminal, if he's a criminal, he's a criminal, but leave it at the, as the fact that he's a criminal. Don't look at color. Don't look at nothing else. Now, I can't right. tell him to do his job. He's been on the sports for over 10 years, so he's, he's pretty good at what he does. And, you know, I'm hoping that he never, ever has to go through any of this stuff. He's a decent guy. But, you know, I mean, to the rest of the policemen out there and law enforcement officers out there in the country, look, I know that a lot of you are not bad people. But you got some folks on the forces in different parts of the country that are making it bad for a whole lot of you. So... You know, something needs to be done. The mayor of New York City said that they're going to be some kind of program to do something. We don't know what it is. They don't even know what it is. All we know that it's coming. So I want to know, personally, I want to see it first, what what the hell of them, whatever it is, that's going to retrain the officers to be more sensitive to, to whatever, you know, not sensitive to criminals per se, but sensitive to, at least the the case. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, you're choking some dude out, and he's telling you he's having trouble breathing, and you know. But then after he's damn near dead, then you call the medic, the ambulance. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just me. I think, I think what they need to do. This is what I think. I think the situation, and the, and I understand there's a lot of people that is out there that's angry on both sides of the tail. But I think what right. really needs to happen is each police officer needs to be even the ones that are in you know they're on the force now. The good got to suffer with the bad. I think they all need to go mm-hmm. through psychological evaluation and a continued program for all officers to go through. So therefore, they can they can you know use you know they're supposed to be here to protect and serve, not protect and serve and take out who they think whoever they they deem necessary. They can't be judged your executioner. And there's a lot of good cops out there, like you said, but at the same time. They, it, it, there's a situation now in this country that, you know, it's it's unsafe for black guys to go out. You know, I want to be able to go out, have a late dinner, come back home, and not feel threatened that I'm going to get taken out, you know, within less than two miles of my home. So in order for us to get to this point, you know, that's the reason why we have what's going on in, in certain parts of the country. Yeah. Cops got to yeah. be evaluated, and they have to have continued pr- training. And I think every police force needs to have it. I don't care if it's Mayberry, USA, or Los Angeles, California. And I think mm-hmm. on all on all levels, from your regular city police department, your state troopers, your FBI agents, your CIA, whatever. You know, I think there needs to be training from the ground up. And this is something this is something that you know I think needs to be implemented immediately. 
I hear you, bro. I mean, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up some points here, okay? Now, and 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 we can either agree or disagree that anything has changed in the last 400 years, okay? Now we've had, you know, we've had the Emancipation Proclamation, we've had the, you know, Amendment 13, we had the Voter Rights Act of 60, you know, 64, all that stuff, Civil Rights Act, everything else like that. I get it, but has really anything really, really Changed. I mean, we have certain inalienable rights now. I get it, but can you really can, can, can you really go? I don't know. I don't know what part of Florida you live. I live in Tampa, so I mean, I, I can't. There's certain places in like in Tampa that I probably won't probably want to go. Not because they're going to be lynching me, but because I don't want the funny looks. I mean, bottom line, okay. All right, well, we have another caller on the line, so let's bring him on. Hey, what's up, Talk to Q? Um, how are you feeling about We have a very heated conversation going. We're just talking about the state of black America. What are your thoughts? How's it going? Um, you able to hear me okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, what's up, everyone? Uh, black America right now is, I don't know, I think we're kind of turning back towards the past. Um uh, it's to the point now, um, it used to be at one time, you know, of course, back before the 60s that we were just flat out disrespected and no one cared what we had to say. Then we gained a voice, and now it's to the point that either we overused our voice and people have started to ignore us again, or maybe people just don't care anymore. It's like things are kind of reverting back, but... uh I like to think it's a little bit of both. I think that we've 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 played the race card so much, and it's so much going on that people just don't care anymore. They're numb to it, just like you know, primetime TV has made us numb to murder when we see it on TV. We don't really think about it like we used to because we see murders every night on Law and Order, you know. So I just think people are starting to. Focus on other things. If you look at it, I think even gay people are losing traction right about now. Um, we're just at a point where I guess white people want to take the country back, so to speak. Well, that's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> that's not going to yeah, happen. No, we, no, we, no, we no, 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 no. That's not going to happen because, you know, let me tell you something. Regarding, um, you know, what you just said, white people taking the country back, that's interesting that you said that because one of my questions is um, do we have, is civil rights, the movement itself, is it over? I mean, um, is it over because we have a quote-unquote black president? Um, is it over, be, you know, because all of the black Panthers went to jail or whatever? I mean, when, I mean, and is it over because all we have now um, that is out in the, the front, no matter what you say about him, is Reverend Al Sharpton. Who else is there who is still leading the fight? No one. Well, and no I, I think. I, Go ahead, Q. I was going to say, I think civil rights ended probably before I got to junior high school. Okay. Um, because when you look at the 70s and all the 70s movies, black people are like, yeah, we've made it. You know, and that mentality never went away throughout the 80s and 90s and up to now. And so because I think President Obama was 
the last piece of the puzzle because at that point there were some white people who didn't know any better who were like, you know what? Black people have nothing to complain about. They have a black president. Right. And things really went south at that point because people are like, okay, that shows that you're completely equal, that you have your first black president to our, you know, 43 white presidents. But, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, so I, I think that kind of was the last piece of the puzzle to change the mindset. But civil rights has been over for quite some time. I know there's some people out there who try to do a little something, but, I mean, no one's been serious about that since the 70s. Black folks think they made it. All right, Buck, what do you think? Do you think um, civil rights, the movement itself, is over? I think so. And and right now, there's nobody stepping up to take the, take the lead. I mean, Al Sharpton has played out, you know, in my opinion. And there needs to be some, there needs to be some youth to kind of spearhead what we, you know, what we want, you know. There's nobody standing up for us. I mean, you got to do something. I mean, when Martin Luther King died, he was wanting to pass that. Once he died, that torch was put, that, that torch was passed to us for one of us to pick up and carry on, you know, the dream. The dream is, is still here, but we got to pick it up off the ground and carry it to where we need it to go. And for order, in order for us to have this, you know, to have equality and have the things that we want, we have to change our image. And if we don't change our image, it's like you said, we we are going backwards. We're not going forwards. So we need some we need somebody else other than Al Sharpton. And so, you know, we need somebody to step up and say, hey, this is what we want. But it, we have to change the direction of where we're going. And we're not we're not doing that. And if I can add one more quick thing to that, and I'm sorry, I know I'm turning into Eminem on this. Uh, oh, no, it's fine. Go ahead. This is, yes, my show but, is more more free. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> to, to add to what Buck said, um, yeah, I mean, I think Al has done some great things. Um, I've given him a hard time, but ultimately I think he's done some great things. But okay. we need not just someone to replace Al. Mm-hmm. I think we need someone who that's their main focus. All right. I'm not talking about some athlete who's, you know, a basketball player first who may speak out on some things. I think we need someone who's full-time trying to do the right thing, just like Martin Luther King was or trying to make a a statement like Malcolm X did. I I don't want a part-time civil rights activist who makes movies, you know, 24 hours and then decides on the weekends that he's going to rally somewhere. I want someone who's going to take this on for good and really be a force behind it. Well, actually, I think that's what um, Al Sharpton is. That's what he does on a, on a full-time basis. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, but I think we need someone new because Al, well, yeah. Al is older. He is older. Well, yeah, he's in his, um, what, 60s now? Um, yeah, maybe late so 50s, 60s. How much Al so, we have left, I don't know. After he's gone, that's it. Well, see, that's the thing. That's the way he's losing weight, yeah. Well, he lost weight in order to be healthier. Um, so, actually, that was a good thing. <laughs> And no, really, that was why he he lost the weight. Um, but you know what? He um, should have lost what? Are you going to say something stupid? No, <laughs> he should have lost no, his head. no, no. <laughs> Some hair. <laughs> his hair. He feels like a lion. Anyway. But what I, the thing the thing that um is is upsetting me right now. You know, yeah, we, we you know there is Al and I I listened to him. Um, 
on Sundays. That's that's part of my Sunday routine with my coffee, and I listen, you know, to his hour show that comes on the radio. And um, when I when I can, I catch you know this MS uh, NBC show. Um, but the thing about it is, it's not just the you know yeah there's there's him, but then who else? You know, some of the other people who were, you know, trying to stand up or we thought maybe would carry the reins, like um, Martin Luther King Jr. or or what was it, the third. And then, you know, look what happened to him. Um, You know, and, and, and but really, who else is there? No one else is stepping up to the plate. Now, is that because they um are what Buck was talking about earlier? And I think Q, you said the same thing regarding maybe they are too comfortable in where they are. They say, I've made it. I got my, you know, my suit on, or Brooks Brothers suit or whatever. Um, I have my house in the hills and I'm I'm chilling and I'm, you know, I have, you know, millions in the bank and, and my white wife. So um, I'm good. So, I mean, so why is it that we have people like a Charles Barkley who comes out and decides, to basically say that all cops are great and awesome is you know I totally love that he put that in there he added that little piece um I mean why is it that that we seem to be fighting amongst ourselves instead of um you know someone stepping up and saying this is what we're going to do and what the hell happened to the Black Panthers. I know I said a lot in just two seconds, but what the hell happened to the Black Panthers? Or, or I have no idea, and I'm I'm kind of that's a good question though, honestly, it is honestly. because I don't know what happened to the Black Panthers. And see, my no. thing is, our generation now, our our Jesse Jacksons and our Al Sharpens are to me, Chuck D, um, Karis One because we use music to get our stuff across a lot more so than um, the Motown folks back then, the baby boomers and stuff. Because we had P.E. doing our thing, you know, fight the I mean, just look, just listen to P.E.'s whole collection, okay? Very political, very very, very pro-black, yeah. okay? Care right. actually one, same thing. You know, you know, all the other artists that came out after those guys came out with the, with the positive message to uplift the community, those were our Black Panthers to me, our Black Panthers, our Malcolms, our Martins, our MLKs, our Al Sharpers and Jesse Jackson, because at this point now, we've gotten to a point where we're not marching. We want a little bit more action. We're a little, we're, we're a little more militant than before. And yeah, but the thing is, they were artists. They, I mean, they're entertainers, and I, I respect everything, you know, that P.E. brought to the table, and that was really probably the only way that black people were listening. It was because it was set to music. So, I right. mean, but, but, but there are plenty of other 60s, people out there now during who the are 60s, doing I mean, and, and I could be wrong, but during the 60s, Motown was all about dancing in the streets and my girl and, and, you know, I'll be there and reach out and stuff like that, where the other side of the music industry where you had Jefferson Airplane, Jimi Hendrix, The Who, The Beatles, those were the political people at that point. That was was a whole counterculture back in the 60s, the white Mm -hmm. people. Now, when you came back into the 80s, when you had... P.E., K.R.S. One, those guys coming out like, okay, we can do this stuff too. 
So I think our vocal focal point is, or our vocal or our voice rather is gonna be musical because of the fact that the message that came out was from a musical background or from a musical standpoint, I should say. So, um, so is there no one else out there? What about Michael Eric Dyson? I mean, he's he's out there. He's trying to get his uh, message he's out there too. Though. He's one he's of my favorite people. He's a, well, he's a professor, but he's he's more he's he's more of a political professor, you know. And um, you know, but he's see, he's out there. Think, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say. I, I think part of the problem is. Um, when you think back to the 60s, those people spoke to black people, all right? Their focus was to speak to black people, whether it was Martin Luther King preaching a message of peace or Malcolm X, you know, maybe a more radical or defensive approach. Uh, the people we have now, when you look at, like, MSNBC, CNN, there are a lot of black people who are worthy of being civil rights leaders, but they're more celebrities than they are civil rights leaders. Michael Eric Dyson, if he were out pounding the pavement, I mean, I know he's a full-time professor, but if he was out pounding the pavement instead of just showing up on TV now and then, I think he would reach more people. More people maybe would take him a little more seriously for the cause. But the people who are out there are being projected more as celebrities than they are someone who's trying to make a difference. Okay, so what do you guys... No, go ahead. I want to add, add something to that, too. Some of these guys, like Mr. Dyson, I know he's a full-time professor, like Q said, but let's right. use social media. Everybody got a damn cell phone. All black people got cell phones. <laughs> let's, use, <laughs> let's use social media. I mean, if you're, not, if you're a full-time professor, what are you doing in your spare time? What is he doing in his spare time to reach out to black people? We're always on Facebook and, and Twitter and these type of things, YouTube and those type of things. Yeah, we need yeah. to change civil rights to a point to where we're, you know, they're listening. We have to change ourselves too, and that's what that's what I was getting at earlier. The thing is, uh-huh. we need to do the things to put ourselves to get our voice heard. You know, we we all know that there was a lot of racism in Ferguson, and that's why what you know what happened, you know, with the cop and the kid and what have you. Right. Bottom line of it is, in order for us to get heard, we need to do the things that what. The previous people have, you know, they got the died for. We got. Mm-hmm. We need. We want to fight the exactly. right to vote. We need to go and vote. We don't, and we need to vote in these small elections, not these big ones. I don't give a damn. Oh, if Mickey Mouse is the fucking president. I, we need to. The local city government is what we live by, and we know that there's somebody in that in that city government that's not for us. We need to get to the. We need to get to those polls and vote them out. That's when we're going to start getting the type of people that we want to run these city government, so we can our voice can be heard. And well, in fairness, um, Michael Eric Dyson, he is on Twitter, but I mean, how much motivation you can do on Twitter, I'm not sure. I think they need to return to the streets, return to the classrooms, return to the churches, and try to get black people motivated again. Because the difference between then and now is that back then they talked to black people. Now we have too many people who are trying to talk to white people, okay? And as a parent. Hello? Q, what? Uh, I guess uh, Q got cut off. I'm sure he'll be back in a second. Um, but, you know, 
the thing about it is, and I was hearing a little bit about um, Don Lemon. Um, people were really upset uh, with some of the things that he was saying. Um, and, you know, and I'm not sure. Uh, I know in, when the Ferguson thing uh, popped off, uh, he had made a statement about I smell marijuana in the air, and people really went off about that. Um, did anybody else feel that that was offensive in any way? Don Lemon's an idiot. So, I mean, I, I, Don Lemon is. So, yeah, what are the problems people have with Don Lemon? Did you ever see that movie? Um, oh, my God, what movie was it? It was with um, David Allen Greer. He played like a, a TV reporter, and you know I was born in the suburbs, and I mm-hmm. have to look up the movie. But anyway, but you saw Undercover Brother, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that was the one back in the what eighties uh, or whatever. Late nineties, Eddie Griffin. Late nineties. But I mean, oh, Eddie Griffin. Right. No, yeah, yeah. To, to me, Don Lemon, and this is just my opinion, Don Lemon reminds me of Undercover Brother. Now, there's some things about him. I'm not. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking what he's doing as far as being a journalist, okay? but there's some things that he really needs to, like, sit back and step and step back and go, like, okay, look, I'm still black. I mean, I'm gay. I get it. I'm light-skinned, but okay. I'm still black. <laughs> he's caramel. But he's like things, me. He's latte. There's, but, there's, <laughs> but there's some things that he, he sticks his foot in his mouth a lot of time, and trust me, on my Twitter feed, whenever he says something stupid, they go crazy over this fool. It's hilarious. Well, that's true. That's true that, that um, people really get offended by him, and I find that interesting because, um, you know, basically he's just reporting. Um, Buck, do you have any thoughts about uh, Don Lemon? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, <laughs> look. <laughs> and what, what? I mean, let's 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 not get this damn thing twisted. Half right. of the United States smoked weed, maybe even more than it, whether it was medical mar- marijuana or whatnot. So right. the fact that this 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 kid had weed on it has nothing to do with anything else. Because hell, the, the damn cop that shot his ass was probably high too. I'm just, I mean, just being honest. So mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, bottom line of it is, I don't give a damn whether the joker's got weed on him or not. We need to get, we need to take a back to basic approach to how things are handled in this country because we I mean seriously things we, it's, the ball has been dropped and it's up to somebody that's got some cooth about themselves to pick up this ball and and try to lead us into a new direction so that way we can be heard. You know. Um... One of the things that have been trending um, on Twitter, uh, we were talking about you know, social media, is hashtag um, criming while white. What are your thoughts, Buck, on 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 just the fact that that's even a trend and some of the things that they've been saying, basically they're just talking about the fact that they have done things um, that were a crime, maybe they were pulled over, but nothing happened to them. Whereas, I guess trying to bring awareness that this is real from their perspective, that they have gotten away with things, and black people seem not to get away with things. 
Well, I mean, we know it happens. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody that's on this call, you know, they they all know it happens. We've seen it, and it's it's high time that you know that you know people tell them. I mean, but you know what? This goes back to something I said earlier. Uh-huh. We could reap the benefits of some of that too if we change the way we act. Um, okay. You know, if we don't if we don't curse out the cops, so what the hell are you doing pulling me over for? You know, or getting mm-hmm. boisterous with the cops. We make ourselves targets when we don't conduct ourselves the way we need to conduct ourselves. So if we are polite, doing the things that we're supposed to do, then maybe mm-hmm. the cops say, you know what? You know, maybe he, you know, maybe I'll follow you home. Don't make, don't have me catch you out here doing this stuff again. Okay. And go home because yeah. I can tell you from growing up in Mississippi. I've been pulled over, and the cop said, look, I know you. Have you had anything to drink? Yes, sir, I had a couple of drinks. And this, of course, before DUIs and everything got real, real, you know, real big. But he said, look, hey, I know your mom. Your mom taught me in school. I better not catch your ass back out here doing this shit again. I'm going to follow you home. Everything's going to be all right. And that's very rare for for a black man. She yeah. cut off on anything. Very. But it happened because I was, you know, Raised the way, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to, you know, present yourself. Cop, let me go home. So do you think that? So you think that these cops that we're seeing in the um, news today regarding, um, you know, the chokehold regarding Ferguson, regarding the 12-year-old kid who was um, shot and killed for a pellet gun, all of these are just anomalies. These are just a rare few. of cops, I don't. I wouldn't say all of these are anomalies. Um, some of these, you know, I would say some of these are, you know, just, you know, for whatever reason they, you know, they panicked and they, mm-hmm. you know, they took the law in their own hands. And this is where, you know, I think the police officers should be evaluated and they should be continuously trained. So these these types of things can be avoided. However, mm-hmm. that being said. I think if we change our attitude as well, if it, it's got to be changed from both sides of the tail. It can't just be one-sided. It's got to be both ways. Okay. I what do you think about that, that, Q? I agree that um, it, it is going to take the effort of, of both sides. I, I think a lot, a lot of times some cops are wrong for how they approach black people, and then some black people are wrong for how they respond. And, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. It's just something bad waiting to happen. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, I understand that there are, some, there are plenty of black people in the world who are angry. I would be angry if something unnecessary happened to me. However, their focus should be their safety more so than trying to be right. And that's just a problem with society right now. Everyone just wants to be right, you know, to the point to where they're just, they'll be, out of control to try to prove a point or win an argument or something like that. And I don't know if you all saw the recent video of somebody posted in um, the T2Q group where this um, black guy was at Walmart and a cop was asking to see his receipt for his merchandise. Mm-hmm. And he filmed all of it and he was just clowning, you know. I mean, instead of just giving the man his receipt and going about his business, yeah, he may have been singled out, I mean, but he started, uh-huh. you know, putting his hands up, yelling, don't shoot, and he repeated himself 
you know, like oh, 30 seconds yelling, don't shoot, and just made a big spectacle out of things when it didn't have to be that way. And I thought the cop was to the point where he was going to, you know, like body slam him and take him down, which I would have because I was sick of him. You know, so I just <laughs> think people just need to, you know, try not to make a big deal out of it. If it gets out of hand, then deal with it after the fact. You know, don't don't worry about it when it's going on because you're not going to win against someone with a gun. I don't care if it's a cop or a crook. I've never seen anyone try to argue down a crook talking about you're not right to take my wallet. So the protesting that's happening in about 80 cities right now, what do you think any of this will lead to? Do you think this will do any good, um, or is this just the latest fad thing to do at the moment? Anyone? It's trendy. Uh, uh, I mean, it's good that we're actually protesting. Mm-hmm. It's good that we're doing it in a in a peaceful way. Hopefully, there's something that will be that will come out of it. Um, I think the the new revolution, as it were, is starting to happen, where the younger folks that that are younger than us are starting to realize, hey, you know, they were right. Stuff was messed up back then in the 60s and messed up back then in the 70s and 80s and 90s. So I think the new revolution is that new generation of kids now are not taking this crap anymore. And I think that it's going to be to a point where we're going to we're going to be organized, but we're not going to take any shit. I think, that's what the, I think that's the way I see it. I have to disagree. Uh, okay. I disagree. I disagree because, uh, and, and well, first of all, until young people vote consistently, I, I, I don't think they're doing anything um, long term to help civil rights or, or anyone else for that nature. They may go out and stand in the street and all that stuff, but that doesn't have any staying power. I mean, look at look at how people laid outside of Wall Street for months and months. What became of it? Nothing, because mm, no right, one right. followed up and actually did anything worthwhile. So they can stay yeah. out in the street and block traffic True. from here until Valentine's Day. It's not going to change a thing, if anything, if you don't, first of all, vote, and if you don't know right. how to articulate what it is that you want. Half the people out there are standing out there taking selfies, you know, <laughs> right. and, 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 and posting on Facebook, like, look at me. You know, I'm Malcolm right. X Jr. No, you're not. You're nothing. Well, you know, I I think think you you have a point, you know, because the, um, the, you know, it's it's almost like a mass hysteria kind of a thing. It's it's growing. Um, People are, are, you know, they're out there. But I, I think that at least this will bring a bit of uh, pressure to the cops. And they're already, you know, deciding, okay, we got to make some changes. We got to do something because all these people are out here. We got to look. And, of course, I'm sure that the fact that it's not just black people or minorities who are out there that are making them stand up and go, oh, okay, now now the good white people are, are upset. So <laughs> we got to do something. Um, that something will be done. Um, hopefully something – it may not be this grandiose thing uh, of a change because, quite frankly, I believe that a lot of people who are, you know, racist 
you know, right now, they literally have to die off because some of the racism that they have is ingrained within them. They may not talk about it when when they step to a, to a podium or when they're in court or whatever they're doing. However, when they go home over their chicken dinner, they're going to talk about you know this situation and what what is what has happened and what's happening. So, you know, I feel that what what is happening right now will at least bring a little light to the fact that as a country, as a people, we have to do this kind of thing in order to make change, no matter what it is, whether it's racist change, whether you know, whether it's financial change, whatever the change is, this is what you're supposed to do as a country, as a people, in order to make change for, through your government. And, yes, absolutely voting. That's another thing that is a huge thing. That's something that if we can get people to do selfies at the voting station or something or maybe, you know, uh, more kind of grassroots kinds of things, but that takes right. away from uh, when you talk – when you're talking grassroots – that usually means no one is going to know about it except for you and maybe 10 other people or maybe just your community or your block. And that's why you don't have the um, people going out and voting for the smaller um, smaller elections because they don't know who these people are. These people in, in your community, you never see them until election time, and then you don't really see them. You just see their stupid flyers every damn where, and you don't even know who the hell they are. Um, and then, then they're not in court. So it's like um, there's there has to, you have to start from the bottom because, you know, the cream of the crop or whatever, the top is not going to change. It's, it has to be moved up. You know, you, you have to move it up so it falls off. And, and unless you are doing that, then it's always going to remain the same. So at least this shines light, and, and that's all, that's now, what, all I was saying. What I that. don't want to happen is for us to just remain solely uh, solely dependent upon social media. Because of the fact that it's so prevalent now, I really think that we've gotten comfortable with tweeting and Facebooking and, and sharing memes and blah 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 this and well that's murder, the way that's the way people talk that. nowadays so that's a, that's how we interact and that's how right but at um, the same time you know, but at the same time that goes back to the voting because it, at work we our, our my uh, my job was a polling place and you had people coming in early voting and regular voting like crazy but. It, it doesn't seem like it made a dent into what we were trying to get accomplished. So mm-hmm. that means even more. And even still, the people that were voting were our age and up. There were no young people who were 18 or 19 and 20 that were voting. It's like they, they didn't give a shit. So that goes back to what you were saying. If you, if you want to make the change, if you want to, to make a difference, if you want to actually change some sort of the system, not in our favor, you have to vote, period. I mean, you, you, the yeah. marching is great. The, the, the protesting, the, the die-ins and all is great, but that's not going to help you on election day. The Electoral College does not give a crap about who died in at Rockefeller Center. 
period. Right. I agree. Unless that, and, unless that I mean, on the ballot. Right. I mean, I think and another thing that has to be done, um, I personally feel like we need to get away from social media. I know people think, well, that's how you communicate with younger kids and stuff like that. Skip that. Most of the people on social media are stupid. All right, so, you know, I think you need to go back to grassroots, like I said, and hit the streets. And because there's too much anonymity to social media. People yeah. tweet all the time, oh, go vote, go do this. You know they're not going anywhere. Everyone's a Facebook activist, you know, and don't do anything. So I think people need to encourage kids to, young black kids, in order to beat the system, you have to be the system. You know, be a lawyer. Be a judge. Be a cop. You know, you know. Stop telling your kids that you're the next LeBron James. No, he's not. All right. I know, right? I mean, the odds are says that he's not. And All I right. think if Believe more that. people did that and putting worthy candidates in elections, it would be a lot easier to make changes instead of going in there trying to vote for the lesser of two evils all the time. Know who the independents are. The independents are probably people who have been harassed by cops. You know, the average yeah. Democrat and Republican is probably some rich dude that's never been pulled over a day in his life. You know, how is he going to feel the need to change anything when he's never experienced what you've experienced? So know the independence, be the independence, and try to make a, a change rather than sitting back on Facebook, you know, posting a picture of an I Voted sticker that you Google. <laughs> you hit it on the head right there because most people. I mean, we could use. I mean, it's right there for us. To, it's right there for us, to, you know, to look at. You can study each one of these candidates, so you know what they stand for, so you know exactly what you who you voting for. Don't go in there and just yes. Go in there and make a you know make a positive change. So therefore, we can we can have a better quality of life, and we won't see our lives just just going somewhere. All right, and whatever's going on in the background, yay for that too. <laughs> Damn cowboy right. game. Oh, 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 okay. Well, we definitely don't want to interrupt that. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I um I think we got some really good points out there um for the state of Black America. I, you know, I guess my final thoughts on this would be, I mean, the key phrase here is just definitely vote. You know, you know, if you want change, then you have to be the change. I like that cue. Yeah. So, you know, you have to do, you have to do the work. You know, no one wants to do the work, and you know that's happened in, in so much in a part of not just you know on the grander scale of the macro level of our society, but even on the micro level of your own life. You know, no one wants to do the work that it takes, the boring day-to-day grind of making a change for yourself, making a change for life. Because the thing about it is, I think, and I just want to say, with for black America on this topic, I believe that black America itself is in the teenage stage. Um, okay. We. You know, I really do, and I think when you when you're talking about the majority uh, of people, or the uh, which would primarily be white, um, they they're grown, um, and I say that because they have came to this country 
already they they took over they you know they they made it you know the country or whatever of for themselves and and took it or whatever and then they taught their children and then they taught and they grew from that and that's why they are where they are now because of of what they taught their children to do generation after generation after generation after generation now for blacks we were held back um for the native americans they were almost obliterated okay for um and then for the immigrants some of them that are coming in they're coming from europe okay so they you know they have people that are already here so for black america and i'm not talking about africans who come here as immigrants we're not talking about you we're talking about black Americans who are descendants of slaves. We are in the teenage stage because we have just got out of all this. Slavery wasn't that long ago. Um, some of the Jim Crow laws and all of that after slavery was not that long ago. Um, your grandparents and probably some of your parents remember some of this shit. So we are just now getting to a level where we're able to go I need to learn more. I need to do more. You know, just like your teenager who is a junior in high school and is like, oh, shit, I need to go to college. I need to fucking, you know, figure out how I'm going to get a scholarship. And I need to, you know, and then they start thinking and start taking those tests and doing things. That's where we are right now. And, you know, so are we going to succeed? Are we going to, you know, keep going? Are we going to survive? Or will we also be obliterated? So that's my thought on Black America. Good point. The adolescent stage of Black America as it is today. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. That's anything? Um, any final thoughts, uh, Buck? Just great, great show. Uh, a lot of a lot of good good points were made tonight. And hopefully, you know, the people that were listening tonight will, you know, definitely take some of the take some of the advice that we put out there. It's it's out there for us to have. We just got to be able to, you know, take it in and do what we need to do so we can be successful. Otherwise, you know, we might just be taken out. So we got to we got to pick up we got to pick up the ball and run with it instead of leaving the ball behind. All right. Thank you, Buck, for your football um, analogy. Uh, Q, <laughs> any of your final thoughts? And um, and I think it was a great show. Um, I got in kind of late, but I enjoyed what I heard. And I also appreciate you giving me an opportunity to get on my soapbox, Crystal. You know, I don't get to talk very much on my show since I'm always kind of directing traffic. But uh, yes, I do. get on your show, I tend to get chatty. So, <laughs> but I appreciate you allowing the opportunity and not giving me the buzzer. Um, oh no, 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 I, none of that. <laughs> I was um I don't know how much of um you heard before I got cut off and my laptop froze on me. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I was making a really good point and saying something smart at the time, but ultimately <laughs> I, I just think that uh you know we as black people need to you know come together. And you know, I, I'm I'm sick of the the Charles Barkleys who wants to try to play in the middle and be like I'm the cool black guy I can say stuff against black people and I mean there's a time and a place for that I understand being fair but sometimes you need to just try to regroup 
you know, circle the wagon like they used to do back in the old Wild West and, and get your defenses up that way and then go back out and make an approach and try to come back to the table, so to speak. But we're so divided as a people right now that it's just ridiculous. And we're going in a million different directions and nothing's going to get done until we come together, go back to square one with some grassroots efforts. All right. And I have to say amazing thoughts tonight. So not only did we have um, a great um, jazz player come on the line, Lynn Roundtree, and for um, Hugo G. and Lauren Karst, we will have them first thing on our Saturday show, the Weekender show. So I hope you guys are tuning in for that. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to get to them tonight, um, only because this is a very hot topic, and we, you know, we just had to continue with that. And um, please listen uh, to the Saturday show, and we will have them on. And everyone, um, thanks again for listening to the show. Any last thoughts, uh, Dre? Um, no, I mean, just, we get, we got to wake up, folks. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I mean, there's so much to do. Um, if I want to quote the scripture, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get more laborers out in the field, myself included, you know. Mm-hmm. So we got to get out there and make a difference. I mean, we have to be that change that, that the president was talking about back then, you know, be the change, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it does ring some truth to it. I mean, we have to do something on our end of the grassroots in order for it to be able to expand outward. So that's one thing I can say is just, you know, do what you got to do. If you got to vote, vote. Go to college, anything, vote. But you have to vote. You have to vote in people out of here who should not be in office, period. Well, all right. All right, guys. And, um, you know, um, I want to make sure that you guys understand that what we talk about on the show, um, it comes from, it's our opinion, it's our thoughts and processes. And um, if you're listening on the podcast, um, please go to Crystal Show 1 on Twitter or the Facebook, the Crystal Show 1, and voice your opinion on on tonight's topic because, you know, we had a lot to do and a lot to talk about. So the next show is definitely going to be um, interesting with a couple more of our guests on the Weekender Show. And we'll see you again back here on the 11th um, when we will have um, another guest on the show. And um, hopefully we can um, have more great commentaries, but you have to call in in order to voice your opinion. So, everybody, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of P.E. We started with a little N.W.A., fuck the police. But what we need to really be doing is fighting the power.